Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hard Nine Podcast. Today is November something. I forget. I'm retired. I don't remember the exact date, but it's somewhere in the middle of the month. And we are, as you notice, now three of us, uh, joined by Kyle Reese, our, one of our favorite guys. I'm so happy to have you back, man. Thank you for coming on and making time for us. Oh, you guys, it's always my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's fun to talk about stuff actually happening instead of just, uh, you know, getting into what we, the speculation of it all. Yeah, which is really all Caleb and I do all the time. Well, we think this will happen, and then none of it ever happens. So here we no. are. But today, okay, well, you take it from here, but today we actually did have a lot of news. So that, I mean, it worked out perfectly. Yeah, so the, obviously the Rule 5 selections and protecting your players on your 40-man roster after today. And the Cardinals elected to um, protect three guys, um, Sim Rebersa, Adam Klofenstein, and um, Pedro Pajes. And obviously Ian Bedell was left unprotected. Um, DFA'd, well, I mean, Naughton was outrighted, I think. They DFA'd, who they DFA, who was it? Connor Thomas. There was Connor Thomas. And then yesterday, Wilkin Rodriguez was let go. So what were your thoughts on those moves? Because I know, you know, the 40-man roster, it's always like a conversation, but it really shouldn't be as much of a conversation as it always is. But what were your thoughts on those three? Yeah, you know, my 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 reaction is I always react to the 40-man moves involving minor leaguers. And I do a poor job of articulating exactly what I'm trying to say on Twitter. My my criticisms, first off, I guess to answer your question before I get into my criticisms, it's whatever. It's perfectly fine. Like uh, nothing's wrong with protecting players. Uh, and, you know, I, as someone who tries their hardest to advocate for minor leaguers whenever I can, I am happy Pedro Pajes was one of the players added. I think it's awesome. I think it's good for him. It gives him a clear line to a major league debut, and not everybody gets a major league debut. So I'm hopeful that throughout this process, this gives Pedro Pajes a chance to make a major league debut where he otherwise might not have. You know, uh, of course, that means a lot of people are probably going to get hurt or traded or DFA'd or whatever, non-tendered rather, uh, throughout the course of the process or whatever. But I, I just think uh, I, I think that – and my complaint always is with the Cardinals. And maybe this is the the plight of a draft and development team or a team that provides themselves on being draft and development is that you always have a weird 40 man crunch. And, you know, I guess like, look, Connor Thomas never got to be what he could have been. I, I always thought Connor Thomas would be a back end starter, um, somebody who ate some innings here and there, would swing back and forth, maybe get some important bullpen innings. It never happened. You know, he was he kind of forced them to rush him. Um, coming out of the, the lost 2020 minor league season. And he was really impressive and really promising and had a great AFL uh, last, uh, last year. And it just never worked out. But I guess that is just the, the symptom of, of what we deal with a lot of times when we, when we keep an eye on the Cardinals 40 man and how they manage it, where it seems like it's more of a, a crap shoot, a roulette wheel of who's going on and who's coming off. Uh, even now following their worst season since the 90s and uh, roster what I would categorize as, I say 25%, but realistically 15% worthless, 15% of players who don't really have a major league future um, that are still on this, this roster where there's a chance that other people might get selected uh, in the Rule 5, even though I don't think they will that probably are just as deserving of a spot or maybe even more cautiously 
the Cardinals would be in a, a very smart position to hold on to some of these players or, or be a little bit more cautious with them while other guys like Michael Ciani is still on the roster. So that's all of that is a ramble to just say that, yeah, good for those guys. I'm glad that they I'm glad they're on the 40. I'm glad that gives them a clear cut uh, chance at the major leagues. But just like we learned with Counter Thomas over the years, it doesn't guarantee it if you're not effective or good. And there's still questions out there about what the hell's going on with the 40 man. Yeah, and I, I think just, obviously oh, go ahead, Robursa and Klaffenstein, even if, you know, maybe they wouldn't have been picked up, I don't think they would have been picked up, honestly. And if they would have, they probably would have come back at some point when they were either not performing or whatever happens there. But Pajas was the one that surprised me and I think everybody because, you know, he was Rule 5 eligible, I believe, last year yeah. and no one selected him. And that's when he had spent time in AAA. This year he didn't spend time in AAA. But – um does this mean a lot of people, obviously you get the speculation of, Oh, what's this mean for Herrera? What's this mean for Kisner um, in terms of their future plans with not tendering Kisner, which I don't believe is going to happen and um, trading Herrera, which could happen, but who knows? Um, do you think that means anything? Cause I personally don't really think it means anything. No, I, I think it's just like, I don't view decisions in a vacuum. I don't think one thing always leads to another. I, I do think you keep things in mind when you make decisions, especially with how valuable a 40 man spot is. I don't think that this is writing on the wall that Kiz is going to get non-tendered. I don't think it's writing on the wall that Avon Herrera is going to get traded. I think what it clearly is, is insurance uh, for a player that is with a player rather and Pedro Pajes that is, does have skills that might be able to translate to insurance qualities at the major league level. You know, I, his bat's kind of interesting. I think his bat is a little underrated, oddly enough. I think his I think his defense is a bit overrated, uh, but I think his I think his his bat is a little underrated. So he is kind of averaged out a little bit there. I, I just think that, I mean, worst case scenario, a team takes Pedro Pajes, right? Uh, say that you don't non tender, or you know, say that say that you do. You think Pedro Pajes is gonna is gonna get to the Rule Five without being drafted, and then. All of a sudden, you you have DFA to Andrew Kisner, or you have traded Avon Herrera, um, and then Pe Pedro ends up getting selected, and then your backup catcher options uh, are, you know, uh, Nick Raposo, who isn't really even a catcher, um, can be, but sort of isn't. You know, you, you have these huge question marks after after them, and then you're you're back to clawing away for a Heineman or a Barrera or you know. And that's not a position you want to be in. So I, I do think while we're, I have my issues with the 40 man, having four catchers on the 40 man isn't always the smartest thing to do. It, what it does is it gives them insurance in case along the lines, they make a move uh, more so than the direct move that would be made in a, a non-tender or a trade. Um, and also keep I in was mind, just, I was going to say, keep I was in mind, totally sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, that, that Wilson Contreras is a trash catcher too. And <laughs> as bad as Andrew Kisner is, uh, he's better. So yeah, just keep yeah, that in mind a, when we're talking about catchers. I've seen you saying that a lot, and that's a popular opinion among the Cardinals, by the way. We've kind of seen that they also believe that to be the case. Do you think that's um, more of his skills on the field or it's more of preparation along with um, game calling and calling pitches that Montgomery doesn't throw allegedly? Allegedly. Nah. But so what do you think that – do you think it's a, the mental part of the game or do you think it's just everything? I think catching's hard. I do. I think catching is really freaking hard. And I think it's easier to be a trash catcher than it is to be an average catcher. And, and that's, it's just that simple. I, you know, it's just like with the the dialogue that's going on about Andrew Kisner, you know, he is a, a negative war, uh, F war player. 
And it's easy to see how so many players could, and we're going to emphasize the word could, put up that offensive production and that defensive production. It's easy to see how it could happen. But you know what? It doesn't happen a lot, and it doesn't happen a lot uh, as frequently as people think it does, especially with catchers, especially at the major league level. So that's why, like, sure, you could say uh, bring in a a, 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 a Tyler Heineman or bring in whoever, bring in Trez Barrera at – the league minimum 850 or whatever it is for a veteran or, you know, bring in, bring in or have Pedro Pajes as the the third string or, you know, whatever. Uh, there's a certainty that you're buying at what is being predicted at a 1.85 arb number, million arbitration number. And sure, the certainty isn't, you know, um, Wilson Contreras, when Contreras is at his best or Yadier Molina when Molina is at his best. Sure. It's not that, but you know what? It's also, probably on the same line as Carson Kelly and Carson Kelly is getting 3.5 from Detroit next year. So it, it's like you're with catching because of how difficult it is to catch at the major league level and to show that you can catch at the major league level, even at a below average level. Um, it, it's, it's worth it to have a little bit of, of certainty, even if the certainty isn't sure, like isn't exciting or high level that that certainty is what you're paying for at that. So it would make sense that you would hold on to that. Uh, as far as it goes with Contreras, I don't know. Look, I just I know when I watch him, <laughs> I know that I know that he costs the Cardinals games. I know that uh, uh, he costs relievers runs. You know, you can you can watch and find out. I just don't think that. I think that it's really hard to be a major league catcher at a high quality on a day in and day out basis. And I think that you can lose it really quick too. I also think that you can get it back a little bit. We're going to find that out about Contreras. Uh, You know, he was, he was asked to fill an offensive role that the Cardinals didn't have. And maybe that led into how he prepared in the off season. Maybe that was it. Maybe an off season of correcting that will, will allow him in familiarity with the organization will allow him to, um, focus his his efforts and his energy in the direction that the Cardinals want him to and that he needs to. I, I wouldn't doubt that. He just needs to be slightly below average or average, and he's well worth his his cost because of how hard it is to be a catcher at the major league level. And, and to add to your point, um, I think it's equally as difficult – or not equally. I think it's even more difficult to be a quality defensive catcher and a quality offensive catcher. I mean, there are – I mean, you can look around the league and you can count them on one hand. To be honest, I mean, you might not even need to. You might not even need all five fingers. Like you, you might not yeah. even need. We saw. I mean, we saw Sean Murphy in the second half have literally a historic low, like not historic. That's the wrong word, but a very low offensive production to where he wasn't even playing in a couple of the postseason games. They were yeah. going with Travis Darno. Um, you know, with, with Kevin, and he still got, and he still got. Um, he still got nominated for a Silver Slugger, even with all those struggles in the second half. Right, yeah. right. He had such a, an elite first half, but you know, I think as as pitching staffs change and as you bring in guys and as there's injuries and then there's rotation shakeups and bullpen shakeups, I just think getting you're spending most of your time instead of in the cage, you're spending your time with those guys. I mean, even if you are a mediocre defensive catcher, you're still spending. It's just it's so difficult to see, and we saw Yadi that last two years really struggle offensively. Um, obviously age had, you know, there's a lot of factors there, but it's I, to add to your point of catching being really fucking hard, then also being an, an elite hitter and elite. Def- I mean, like I said, you can name maybe three. I mean, yeah. you know, so that, that adds to it. Especially yeah, and- doing all of that while being blamed for the entire first month of the season <laughs> and yeah. being new. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was just a mess. It was a mess. Yeah. So, yeah. Think, think about how often over these years, you know, to kind of, 
get back into the catcher talk a little bit, but like think about how often over these years, you know, as people talk about like replacing Andrew Kisner, how often have we said, oh, that he can he can be Yachty's backup, and all of them failed. You know, Eric Fryer did it well for like three months one year, yeah. and they were all terrible at being like the level that Andrew Kisner is. Think about how many other NL Central teams we've had that have come through where the catcher on the opposite team, like ideally would have been Andrew Kisner. And I think, you know, this isn't for me, this the conversation we're having isn't about Andrew Kisner, although I keep bringing him up. It's about just how hard it is to be a catcher at the major league level, even in a backup capacity, uh, you know, on a, on a full season basis. Yeah, I did not see shots at Matt Weeders. Did not have that on my bingo card for the podcast, but I'm here for it. <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll take shots at anyone. Let's go. <laughs> oh, okay, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say Tony Cruz homered off Mad Bum in a playoff game. <laughs> he did. All right, so there's that. And then later that game, Michael Walker was in there for no apparent reason. But that's a difference. That's a story for a different time. Yeah, no wonder I didn't. Oh. Remember, I didn't remember that. I completely blocked that out. The only way I've been able to be sane <laughs> since 2014 is to pretend like that think... never happened. Before we move on, Kyle, I did want to let you know I brought out the oh. old bullet rye in your honor tonight, knowing that you were going to be on here. So, so awesome. cheers to you. Cheers yeah. to you. Cheers. I, cheers. I, I am drinking. Cheers. I am Cheers. I am drinking something a little different. Uh, I've been into these cut water drinks. They're oh, like oh yeah, drinks. And at first I hated them all, but you know I keep drinking them because I've got a problem. And I so I'm drinking the peppermint white Russian. Uh, is what I'm. Oh, uh, it's I think it's the peppermint white Russian mudslide or something like that. Things that like <laughs> if you just put enough words together, it sounds delicious. You know, you, you should have showed up in a robe, like you know, like you know, like the dude. You should have just come in full character and gone right with it there. Yeah, I know I, I ruined it, but uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, so, cheers, dude. Cheers to you guys. Caleb, what are yep. you drinking? Is it uh, a drink from a gas station or something? <laughs> no, no, it's actually from my Keurig, thanks. But uh, <laughs> I, I made a coffee before this. I, I was getting tired. I had too much too much work I did today with my classes. I was about, oh. I was about to fall asleep. I have – so you. I know we said there were actual news today, and there was. But, I mean, it's off season, so we're going to get into speculation. That's just what it is. What are you making of all of this, the card? I mean, obviously, there's all this skepticism out there that a lot of it's unfounded. Some of it is, whatever. What do you make of this offseason for the Cardinals? Like, do they need to get a number one pitcher, in your opinion, or do they just need to get two number twos? Like, what? what's your view on that? I think that they're bad, and I think that they just need to get better. <laughs> and, you know, like, <laughs> on a very generic way. And, look, the I, what, Mike, I'm sorry. I said you nailed it. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. Yeah, you nailed it. No. I, you know me, I rant and rant. I would appreciate if you guys stepped on me more and stopped me from making a <laughs> fool of myself by saying 7,000 words and, you know, and uh, consecutively. So um, I, here's what I think is I think if, if the Cardinals want to be a World Series contender, they need three of the top five guys on the market. Uh, I But also, I don't think that you can become a World Series contender in an offseason. I think that that happens gradually over a year. I think that the Cardinals could put themselves in a really good position by getting three pitchers that can that can eat innings and be reliable eating innings, whatever that means. Uh, that gets them to an uh, to the All Star break in the trade deadline and and make adjustments to what they need. Then I think that they're the worst thing that could possibly happen. And, and I think historically in, in the off season, it, it, this proves out. But 
I think the worst thing that they could happen is think that they're in a position where they have to react, right? Because every time that they have to react, they they mess up. Uh, we need an outfielder. We need him desperately. Who's a perfect fit? Dexter Fowler. Uh, who is – all right, all right. Our, our outfield sucks. We've got all this pitching in the organization. We don't want to trade any of the major league level ready pitchers. So we're not going to trade Dakota Hudson or Luke Weaver. Uh, Jack Flaherty's amazing. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to trade the arms that we don't feel as comfortable about because we're we're not evaluating them right uh, for Marcel Ozuna, even though Ozuna's had kind of a, a up and down year. But we have to do this because our our lineup sucks, right? Um, and, and down down. Down the list and down the list. Mike Leake, it's all the same story. We, we're down a left-handed reliever. We need the best left-handed reliever on the market. We're going to go get Brett Cecil. Uh, the best catcher on the market, uh, we don't have to give assets for. Wilson Contreras, let's go get him. Uh, w- there's urgency here. We, we feel the urgency. We're going to show the fans that we're acting uh, in, in the name of urgency to address our major issues with what's best available. Instead of maybe doing a little bit of homework. Uh, sticking to their guns because there's been some talk about how they adjust based on like meeting players. Uh, stick to your guns and, and and go for what works for you. So that learning all of that is just to say learning from their past mistakes over the last couple of years in the off season and maybe not being so like wanting to leave the winter meetings in December with a piece that helps answer your question. I, I you know the, some of the questions you have. I think as annoying as it's going to be for fans i think being patient in this particular aggressive market uh unless you're going to jump the market again there's the caveat unless you're going to jump the market i think just getting players that are reliable pitchers that are reliable without thinning out your stock of position players currently at the major league level that you're going to need to be competitive next year so basically everybody on on the 26 man uh that isn't you know, Richie Palacios, because he, as fun as he is, he doesn't matter. Uh, you know, Jose for me, and as fun as he is, which he isn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's not. Um, he's not. Yeah, fun. exactly. Uh, but like, specifically anybody other than Carlson and O'Neill, uh, and, you know, I think, I think Edmund is kind of on the precipice there. I think not thinning out your major league level caliber uh, hitters to address the pitching, I think that's key. And I think that getting caught up in, the Nola, Snell, Yamamoto of it all ends up losing a little bit of the the headliner, which is the Cardinals are trash when the defense is trash, regardless of who the pitchers are. And defense was trash last year all over the diamond. And really what you need are reliable pitchers. You need reliable pitchers. You don't necessarily need high end because then you don't have to rely on Adam Wainwright, 40-year-old Adam Wainwright. You don't have to rely on Jack Flaherty, whatever that is. Uh, and, you know, if you had, if they would have had three Jordan Montgomerys last year, uh, the Jordy Montgomery who pitched for the St. Louis Cardinals, they probably still would have been bad because defense was trash and the offense was pretty inconsistent. But if you end up with three Jordan Montgomerys who were St. Louis Cardinals uh, during Montgomery's Cardinal tenure, you're probably at least 10 games above where you were. And, and you know, so all of that is just to say that, like, I, I think to be contenders, they need top of the rotation pitchers, obviously. I think that all of the pitchers are traps on this particular market. Uh, so I think what they really need is to just address their needs. However, they think they need to address their needs without extending too far outside of who they are. Uh, and don't be aggressive because when they're aggressive, they they do and make terrible decisions. So, yeah, I think all of those the- are fair. But hold on. Oh, sorry. I think all those are fair. But I think I don't see any way they do anything you just said. Mm-hmm. they're gonna they're going because here's what's gonna happen this is what i think is going to happen at least yamamoto is gonna go 
to whoever gives him $300 million when he hasn't set foot on a major league mound. I was on board the Yamamoto train after what I've seen with Jeff Passan's article about him 200 being the starting point. I might be jumping off the train because I don't think the Cardinals have a chance um, regardless of how much Lars Nupar's mom loves Yamamoto's mom. But I, and then what happens is they say, Oh shit, Aaron Nola, here's 200 for seven years. And then we get Aaron Nola and I like Aaron Nola. And honestly, if they signed him, I would be pretty excited. I think that'd be a really good move because he'd be the best pitcher they've had since 2019 Flaherty by a long shot. Mm -hmm. But the odds of that contract working out in seven years, looking back and saying good contract, not very high. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I that's, I'm right there with you. I, I'm one of these people who almost wonders if you can find three pitchers that you can only have to, you only have to sign for like two years if that's your best bet. And I, I know it's not what the fans want to hear. I know the the line that we all feel in our hearts is you have to come away with one of the top available free agent starters or, or Glasnow or Cease, right? Because um, Bieber doesn't really fit that anymore. And Glasnow and Cease are just too easy to go to, unless you're going to try to mine what's ever going on in the Padres as they, you know, as, as they try to claw out of their debt. Um, but, but, I don't I don't necessarily know if that does make them that much better. I, I think the changes to make make themselves better should have happened a couple of years ago and it should have happened internally and uh, an adjustment in how they how they raise their pitchers, how they groom their pitchers, how they how they help develop those pitchers. And uh, I, I think that we would be reaping the rewards of that now, but we're not. Instead, we're trying to pivot and sign the most volatile position in baseball. Uh, catching position being the most difficult, the most volatile, of course, is pitching. And all of these guys, like I've had this conversation with with other people about Yamamoto. People talk about Yamamoto and, and he's young. You know, paying for youth is smart. It's really smart, but it's also really dangerous. I, I've heard people talk about, you know, with Yamamoto, you know, you're getting a young arm. Well, isn't every arm a ticking time bomb? Couldn't you make an argument that someone like Aaron Nola, who has gone as long as he has uh, without having arm issues, is maybe more reliable? to not have arm issues than somebody who's younger and just hasn't had them yet. You know, uh, I, I think that, I think personally, if I'm trying to not be analytical about it, I do think they need something like Aaron Nola. I, I think, I do think Aaron Nola is perfect for what they want and what they're doing and how they do it and what they do. I do think that I think even like a seven year, $175 million contract for Nola, I, I think while that's too many years and too much money, it's not too many years and too much money in the market. But I just don't know how much better it makes him over, especially when they, you know, they're going to budget themselves to forty or fifty million dollars. I don't know how much better that makes them when that only gives them a chance to get two starters, you know, one potentially high-end starter, one mid-level starter, and then a swing person. Uh, when really they need three starters, and you could argue that they need four starters, even with my my Matt Thompson slash as your fifth starter. I, you're going to need more. And I love Gordon Graceffo. Uh, Sam Roberta might be a major league pitcher at some point. I don't, Michael McGreevy might be a major league pitcher at some point. I, I don't know if you're going to put yourself in a winning position if you don't have depth and they still don't have that depth, even with the guys that they have in the organization. So not only do you need the three starters you're talking about, you probably need additional depth on top of that. And we're already starting to back off of the two and a half starters. And the reason is because the Cardinals are dipping their toes in the high end of the pitching market. And when you dip your toes in the high end of the pitching market, it limits what you can do with the rest of your team, which, of course, says nothing for the issues that they have in the bullpen. 
God damn it, Kyle. When, uh, when I had you on here, I was so, I was like, I was fired up. And then you started bringing up Mike Leak and you brought up Brett Cecil and you brought up Dexter Fowler. And now, now you're being, you're using all of this logic, which is exactly correct. And it's something that Caleb and I have been talking about all the time. I was just hoping you were coming in and saying, they're going to sign Yamamoto. They're going to sign Nola. They're going to sign Sonny Gray. And, and it's all going to be sunshine and rainbows. That's what I was expecting from you tonight, bro. <laughs> I, I will say that I do. I'd be willing to bet uh, based solely on <laughs> how they have reacted uh, to the off seasons in the last couple of years, especially how they react at the winter meetings where they, they, it's almost like they don't want to leave there empty handed. Uh, they don't what he said last year. That's literally <laughs> word for word. What he said last year that we're not leaving here without a catcher. Great. No, exactly. there goes your leverage. That a boy. Exactly. Exactly. That I do think they will overspend for one of those pitchers. I do. I, I, I personally, believe Aaron Nola is perfect for them Uh, I just you know not even like perfect for the Cardinals on the on the team I'm talking about is perfect for the Cardinals as a mission statement more than anything and I do think that they will go above and beyond for Aaron Nola I just it seems it seems so perfect Uh, it just seems like the perfect little marriage Uh, you know also you have to ask yourself about that second round pick uh, how they view also you know overpaying for Sonny Gray and having to give up a second round pick like there's a big question there for me and, you know, Yamamoto comes with questions. The least, you know, even with some of the struggles that he's had over the last couple of years, Aaron Nola is like the one with the least amount of questions when you step back and watch, especially with what the Cardinals' MO is as a team and as an organization. So I do think that if he makes it to the end of the winter we- winter meetings, I do think the Cardinals will go head and shoulders uh, over where they feel comfortable to get Aaron Nola. So I do I do think they will come come away with one of those those pitchers. Now the question becomes, say Aaron Nola just decides he doesn't want to leave Philly. Philly gives him a, a deal he feels comfortable with. And, you know, same thing happens with Sonny Gray in Minnesota or whatever ends up happening. Because I know right now there's a lot of talk about Sonny Gray going to Atlanta. Um, but, you know, what happens if they're priced out of Yamamoto, priced out of Snell, uh, have put all of their resources into Nola, and Nola decides to go to Pittsburgh or go back to Philly. And what happens then? That's what becomes really they're interesting. They're screwed. Like, honestly, they're screwed. Because then, because the Cardinals aren't good at reacting to things they don't expect. They're yeah. horrible at it. They yeah. wanted Adam Eaton. They really wanted Adam Eaton. The Nationals said, here's Lucas Giolito. I, they got a World Series out of it, but that trade still to me is stupid. And then the Cardinals said, oh, shit, here's Dexter Fowler. He could play center field and bat leadoff, right? And yeah. then he, and then they didn't get Bryce Harper because they had Dexter Fowler. It was one big mess, <laughs> and it continued for years. Yeah. Yeah. Now let me ask you: It's kind of a, it's kind of a two-parter on that. Um, one, do you do you kind of see this like as a New Orleans Saints fan living down here? Caleb and I are like the Saints are legitimately the Cardinals of football right now, right? You've got you've got some aging veterans who are still really playing well. You've got a few young guys who also a lot of upside, and then you've got just a bunch of guys. Right. And then you've got an organization who is sort of also stuck in we're going to compete. That doesn't mean we're going to compete for a Super Bowl. We're going to compete for a division title, but we're not like they're not the Eagles, they're not the 49, whatever, right? They're not going to compete for I kind of view the Cardinals as that of the National League. Like yeah. you could compete for an NL Central. Like, do you do you sort of see this as maybe it's time for a complete organizational shift in at this time? I know the fans would hate it. I understand all of that. But, you know, I'm an Aaron Nola guy. He's like, I'm a huge fan of his. But you're right. I mean, giving him a seven-year deal, 
Now, you're just going to almost be stuck in that middle ground, it feels like, whether you extend Goldie or you don't. You've got Arenado's contract sitting there. you got Wilson Contreras' contract. And you've got all these young guys ready to kind of blossom. I, it just feels like we're just kind of stuck in quicksand, which, by the way, I was told as a kid was going to really impact my life way more than it ever has. <laughs> so, you know, that's all I know. <laughs> I uh, I think right now, Okay, so a year ago, we're just one off season ago, we were talking about what the Cardinals needed to do to become a World Series contender, right? And now we're talking about, and now we're talking about a potential like rebuild, right? That the, the emphasis of this particular question is is a rebuild kind of needed with some of their older aging veterans kind of aging out of their prime. And I, I think I think one thing that I've learned, and this this applies to myself not just uh, Cardinal fans in general, and I'm not necessarily saying this about e you know either of you, but we lose poorly. Cardinal fans, we we don't, we've been oh, yeah. so lucky, and this isn't about the, the fandom being spoiled. I mean that. I'm not trying to say that the fans are spoiled, but I, I, I've learned in these last couple months and specifically in these last couple weeks that we don't, we don't know what losing looks like, and we don't necessarily know because of that, and we've been fortunate, because of that, we don't know what it takes to get good again. Uh, you know, or how, we don't really know how far off from being good again we are. And I don't think the Cardinals front office does. They've never been in that position either. So if we don't as fans, uh, they probably don't as a front office either. So I, I guess I, that's that's just the preface to say that I, I don't know if they're at that point, right? I, I'm one of these, I guess... Goldie apologists, uh, Paul Goldschmidt apologists, where I, I don't think that he's going to like age less gracefully than he's already aged. And, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think my concerns about Nolan Arenado moving forward aside. I don't necessarily think that the offense is poised for any type of fallback. I, I think you could probably argue that the offense is only going to get better. You know, if Lars Nupar stays healthy, if Brendan Donovan stays healthy, if, if Nolan Gorman can sort out his three months of being terrible and three months of being elite uh, uh, trend that, that he's kind of been on. You know, I, I think that with your anchors on your corners and, you know, Wilson Contreras, the DH center, uh, the DH catcher, I mean, uh, kind of as your, as your veteran anchors, I do think that you you have the foundation for a potential quick rebound, but you have to be careful about the decisions you make here. And I, I don't necessarily think that the as someone who has who understands to a degree how difficult it is to manage the payroll of a major league team uh, with with revenue, where I don't think a lot of fans quite fully understand that. I don't at all. Um, but I, I think that the decisions that they make, and this is why I've been so leery about like trading for anybody other than Glasnow. Uh, any any pitcher that has like control for years is they have to be smart about the decisions they make with their their position players because if they start trading off their position players you know even you know I have my my concerns about Nolan Gorman but even Nolan Gorman even Tommy Edmond uh, you know I, I think that's where in a year from now we'll we'll be having a real conversation about this team selling and this team needing a rebuild like right now it's 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 a more realized version of the conversation we've been having for a couple years as they languished around 500 until August and then put together a winning streak that sent them to playoff or fringe playoff or, you know, above 500 team. I, I think that now we're feeling some of those repercussions, but I don't necessarily think 
that we are we're at a real point where that's that's actually reasonable to do uh and it doesn't really make a whole lot of of sense but with a couple wrong decisions and not not even spending money decisions just in how you you work the personnel you have i think a year from now that will be the most likely option than uh, than the the opposite which is adding to a roster to try to get to the next level what what about at that front office level like and and mo by the way like i'm not i i don't go i'm not a mo bagsher what he has done in the last in his tenure here in st louis i mean we're talking about what we're third in the in baseball and wins i believe under like he has done a lot of incredible things we've gone to world series we've gone to nl champions our nl championships but do you think it's almost good to bring in like we Caleb and I talked about Hein Bloom last time? Do you yeah. think it's 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 almost good to bring in a voice that's out? Like everybody wants the Cardinal way, and if they played for the Cardinals, they want them back immediately once they can have. Like we need them back on our and and I love that, but I also don't love that. Do you yeah. do you think maybe it's good for a fresh voice to come in who has not been here for? I mean, and seeing yeah. nothing but winning. I, you know, today, tonight, Skip Schumacher just won manager of the year. And while we view Skip Schumacher as a St. Louis Cardinal, uh, Skip Schumacher, the coach, is a is a San Diego Padre, right? Yep. And I was thinking I was thinking about that. So last year was the Cardinals' most successful season in since 2015, maybe 2017, I guess. Right. They, they weren't a wild card team. They were a division of a division champion. You know, maybe maybe what, 2019? Well, one of those one of those yeah. years so and what did they have right they had a assistant pitching coach from duke uh mike maddox who is from the, the 1800s you know <laughs> world you, series you, champ mike maddox that's right <laughs> that's right world series champ mike maddox um and then you know even even on the hitting side you brought turner ward in from a different organization and you had jeff albert who came from a different organization and uh you know, just on the coaching staff there with Ali Marmol, you, you had a ton of success. I think that they do. I think that they need as much, you know, external, which again, not to diss on Joe McEwing, but Joe McEwing has never really been a part of anything successful as a coach. Um, so that's, that's all just to say, like, I do think it's important that they bring in outside voices. I don't necessarily know if like as a consultant role is the best or something a little bit more practical is, is the best. But I, I think that what they need is if they're going to bring in somebody like Heim Bloom or Kim Na or so, you know, somebody like that, I, I think you bring them in to be uh, an investigative journalist. You don't bring them in to be a consultant, their job, you, you pay them, you hire them to come in and find, be the opposite opposition research to be the ones who find the holes in the organization. You know, if you're just bringing in to have a consultant, somebody to bounce ideas off of, that's a waste of time. It's a waste of resources. You know, uh, if, if you want them to give a quick appraisal of the organization, then that's a waste of time and a waste of resources too. Everybody's doing that with, with your organization. Just look at prospects after prospects live and baseball America and ESPN, just do They're doing it for free for you. If you're going to bring somebody in and spend that time and that resource, they should be an investigative journalist and they should be poking holes in everything that you're doing. You should be paying them to find your weak spots. Uh, and if you're not doing that, then I, I think it's a, I think it's a waste of time and a, a waste of resources. All your, the opposite of that is you're just trying to incorporate somebody from the outside into your group think, 
And I've been on pad the other night. I was quick to call the Cardinals like a group thing organization. And that's not fair. That's that is definitely not fair. You know, I I know for a fact, Michael Gersh is working his ass off behind the scenes to make this as positive of a uh, offseason for the St. Louis Cardinals as possible. I I know that that's not just with Gersh. It's with Flores. It's with the the whole group, Mazalak, Rodriguez, all of them. They're all working their ass off to get to make this a successful offseason. But if you're just trying to bring somebody else in to be a consultant, are you really asking them to consult? Or, or what like what are you trying to do with that role because the the purpose of the role is more important than the role itself in my opinion i agree and i also think going back a second to when we were you guys were talking about um the rebuilding which i i'm uh, fully on board with you i actually i think they're very fortunate to be where they are um considering how poorly they've they've um developed pitching if donovan and Nupar weren't diamonds in the roughs where the hell would they be right now yeah where would they be They'd be in a very, very different spot. They wouldn't have the offense they have. Like, they've been very fortunate, one, to have great scouts. Like, that's uh, props to them. But for those guys to have developed the way they have, um, I think rebuilding, one, I think it would be a disservice to the team, to the um, fan base, because I don't think they need to do that. And I also think it would just – I can't even imagine them doing that. Like, they would would have to go, like, 50 and 112 next year, and then they'd be like, oh, maybe we do have to tear this thing down. Like, I I don't think that's – at all what they're even thinking about doing but the worry is they know they're not going to do that so that means they also know that they have to turn this thing around quickly which means they know they have to sign somebody expensive which also means they better choose the right person i don't even care who it is whoever they choose better freaking work out it has to or they're screwed that's why i think aaron nola fits them perfectly because he's like the one guy on the market where say in two years he's trash or he's hurt or he doesn't make much out of his seven-year contract or eight-year contract or whatever it ends up being. I think he's the one guy that you can say, well, we went with the most sure of the free agents on the market and we brought him in, you know, uh, even with Sonny Gray, like there's, there's questions there, you know, with, with Yamamoto, there's questions, you know, that'll be, that'll be the one blowback they'll get. I do think that they're in on Yamamoto, maybe more than any of us realize, but that's just total speculation. It's not fair. Uh, I agree with you on that too. There's too much smoke around it, I think. Yeah, I don't think that they'll ever be able to match whatever kind of money comes out of the East Coast. Uh, it's just a matter of where where he wants to go at that point, because you know he'll make that decision. But um, yeah, I I I I think that Nolan makes all the sense for them because he he is protection. You know, the the answer to it didn't work out is well, it was the smart move to make at the time. It was the right move to make at the time. Where maybe these other guys. Uh, that are at the top of the free agent market, free agent market specifically, not the trade market, but the free agent market specifically all have questions that are are bigger than the questions that Aaron Nola has. Yeah. And I also think Aaron Nola is one of those guys I could just see coming to the Cardinals and being better for no reason at all. (laughs) That's kind of what I feel like happened to Jordan Montgomery. Like he came here and he changed things through his fastball more, but everyone was kind of like, that's a bad idea. It's not that good. And then he was just better. And it was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I think Aaron Nola could come here and then perform to where his FIP has been recently because he's been a guy that's underperformed relative to his FIP, mainly because Kyle Schwarber and Nick Cassianos play the outfield for the Phillies. But I do think Aaron Nola is like a perfect fit, and I've been saying that for months, that he he seems like a Cardinal. Like, it seems like he should be on the Cardinals already. Uh He's a tall right-handed pitcher that I don't even know what his voice sounds like. He doesn't talk. But he seems perfect, I think. Yeah. The less you know about the guy, the, the more he seems like, you know, this guy's been in the spotlight for years and years, and I don't know anything about him. 
Uh, that's a St. Louis Cardinal, right? Does he does he sing for a Christian band uh, out of Tennessee? Oh, if the answer is yes, then he's a St. Louis Cardinal. Um, you know, he's a like, swamp boy, man. He's from down here, I think, in Louisiana. And I here's what I do know: like just being around guys from the LSU area down here, they have nothing but high praise for Aaron and Austin Nola. Like yeah. absolute, they like those two are like legends down here. So you know yeah. that makes me want him down uh, in St. Louis even more. Yeah, that's that is the one thing that does carry like come with him is just how stand up of a human being he is, and of yes. course that is St. Louis Cardinals. We know that. And, uh, yeah, so that, that that's what I think. I, Nola just makes too much sense for them in every conceivable way, and he's also the kind of person that they would go out of their comfort zone to bring in the organization. And then you just hope that his arm holds up. And but you're going to do that with whatever pitcher you bring in anyway. So uh, yeah, I, I do think that's that's the direction they go in. I think it would be fascinating if there were two moves this offseason were Aaron Nola and Marcus Stroman, just because they couldn't be diff- more different yeah. people. And yeah. I think I would love it. I think I would love the chaos that that would bring to Twitter. Like, Marcus, <laughs> a lot of people don't want Marcus Stroman for various reasons. A lot of them fair. Honestly, yeah. To be quite fair. He's done some stupid things on Twitter. Whatever. But I think it would be fascinating to watch Marcus Stroman pitch in a Cardinal uniform. Just because I don't think it would be like anything we've ever seen in our lives. I really don't. <laughs> and I want to see it. I really do. Oh, you know, you know, I'm on board for that. Give me all the chaos. Give me levels and levels of chaos. Give me chaos so much that it hurts on the inside. Like <laughs> I, I want to feel the chaos. Like somebody's giving it to me in places that I didn't want. You know, like uh, I, I'm a, I'm about it. You know what I mean? I, I just, uh, I don't think Strowman's their guy. Um, speculation and i i do want to differentiate speculation from reports gould mr gould reports uh uh it says my internet connection is unstable so i apologize uh mr mr gould reports miss Wu reports uh everybody else pretty well speculates right Uh, you know nothing against some of the other beat writers locally They, they don't really they just don't really get involved in it uh but the national people they speculate and we know from the reporting uh, we know that they're in with Gray, Nolan, Yamamoto, and we also know that they're going to turn over every rock that they can to try to make the pitching staff better. So I think it's reasonable to expect that, you know, even someone like Marcus Stroman, they'll probably, you know, at the very least do some exploring uh, to see what that's about. So I, I think that's the most fascinating aspect of this offseason is I think they understand just how bad they are and how bad they were and how easy it is and some maybe not how easy it is, but how quickly they can turn it around if they do the right things. And I think I think really the, the most aside from what's going to happen with the pitching, I think the next step is tell us what that coaching staff looks like. You know, not not the Yadier Molina of it. I, I'm one of these people. I just don't care. It's whatever. The Yadier Molina of it, I don't care. But I think I think the other additions they bring out of the coaching staff, I think that's going to be important. You know, I, I on Pat, I went on this little rant about like, I don't give a, I just don't care about Jason Isringhausen. Like if you bring Jason Isringhausen on, I, that doesn't do anything for me. I don't care about that. Like, I, I, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't avoid that move. Be smarter. Go get some coaches that can actually coach, that can actually uh, get some stuff out of you other than teaching, you know, other than evaluating poorly and teaching pitches to, to pitchers. Like, I want to see what the coaching staff change or additions look like. That's that's what I want to see. And I just don't care if Yadier Molina is one of them or not. 
Now, earlier you talked about the defensive woes, like the trash. Like that was, I think you were being incredibly kind by just calling yeah. them trash. Like yeah. I really do. Um, do you think they saw enough of Mason Wynn to just go ahead and say that is our opening day shortstop? And what do you, where do you see this center field debacle like going? Like, and again, we're back to speculation, but that's yeah. kind of what I want to know. I want, yeah. I want to know what you think. I mean, do you think Mason Wynn, they, they saw enough defensively? That that is an upgrade, and this is a three-parter. So the third part, what 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 fucking explains the Nolan Arenado regression defensively to where he's not even in the Gold Glove conversation? Well, I'm one, you know I'm one of these douchebags who likes to always say, "Kids are the the, the reason." <laughs> Get off my lawn. Whenever whenever an athlete has kids, you know we, we yeah. joke around lately about uh, you know daddy energy or you know, and uh, I'm the opposite. I think about how much like how much energy that would take. And I think, Jesus, there's no way I could be a professional athlete and have a child. I can hardly be an adult and have a child. I can hardly be this child that I am and have a child. And I don't even have a child. So I don't even know what I'm talking about. But um, so, no, I mean, all kidding aside, like, I wonder if it was just a wind down from the World Baseball Classic. I wonder, you know, I, I don't know. I think I think maybe that back, you know, again, speculation, not fair, but maybe that back is worse than any of us realize. Like, you know, it wasn't just how bad he was defensively in the first half of the season. It was how bad offensively he was in the second half of the season. What was it? He went the last like month and a half of his season without hitting a home run. Like you, you want to talk about alarming. It's not just that defensive regression that he had, although he did get that back, you know, he, he started to be old Arenado in the second half. Like it, it came at the expense of his offense, his, his offensive power production. And that's wild to me. Like uh, it, it wasn't, his his season was so disjointed that I don't even know what to make of it. You know, it, maybe it was just such a fluke because of whatever he was going through, whatever that is, maybe he could never get comfortable. Maybe he was just taking it easy towards the end of the year because he didn't want to get hurt and the Cardinals were shit, you know. Uh, same thing with O'Neal. Maybe that's what was going on with O'Neal too. But I just, I, I don't know what to think of that. I, I don't know. I, I do know it was, you know, it's funny a second ago we were talking about Aaron Nola's FIP. And we mentioned Nick Castellanos and Cal Schwarber in the corners. Well, the Cardinals had two position players out there that were worse than those two <laughs> on the most, on most circumstances. And Jordan Walker made some positive steps. He has to continue to make huge strides, even though his OAA was uh, better, you know, was a positive towards the end of the year in those last couple of months. He still was not good out there. I don't care. I don't care what, uh, you know, outs above uh, average say he just he was still diving around like a jackass. He was still misplaying balls off the wall. He was still taking bad routes. Um, he needs to continue to get better. And I, I think to answer your question about center field, I think ideally in the ideal world, the Cardinals don't trade anybody other than O'Neill and, and Carlson this offseason that they have as penciled in as position players. I think your best bet at that point would be Tommy Edmond gets the lion's share of center field starts against uh you know uh, left-handed pitching because he hits right-handed and he hits right-handed pretty well all things considered and then you know at that point newt bar and walker are your corner outfield i i feel pretty confident with that as a defensive lineman and then of course the opposite of that is when a righty pitches newt bars in center you probably have burleson in left and Walker and Wright, and then that's where it gets a little dicey that's bad again you know, that's bad again <laughs> it's bad again it's bad again but you know 
again, then at that point, you're just hoping that they these these outfielders who haven't played much outfield in those positions have made strides, that they put in the work this offseason to make those strides, to make up for some of their deficiencies. I I, I believe Alec Burleson will. I, I believe Jordan Walker will. I believe Lars Newbar will even in center, although I do think we've seen about his peak center field Lars Newbar as we're capable of seeing. So the, the question then to answer about Mason Wynn is, I think that in their minds, they've seen enough of him defensively to feel confident that the combo of Edmund and Wynn will get them through hard times at short when and how it's necessary is what I think. Uh, you know, I love Mason Wynn with all my heart. Uh, great kid. He's going to be a major leaguer and he's going to be a major leaguer for a long time. And I do think the Cardinals are probably banking on him being their everyday shortstop. Um, but just like being a catcher at the major league level, being an everyday position player at the major league level is really tough and it's not easy. And even to be the level of hitter that Tommy Edmond is, is going to take work and he'll put the work in and he'll get there eventually. It's just a matter of how long it'll take him to get there. And if the rest of that offense can hold the line while he works to get there. Now, I think the offense can, I think it's capable, even with whatever Jerry, Jerry rigged outfield setup they have. Uh, I I just think that it's a matter of understanding what he is and being patient and letting him still work through being a shortstop every day for 150 games a year. One of the things I'm curious about, because this this has kind of been like an old man take for a long time, but then you saw the success of the Atlanta Braves when they ran out the same lineup every single day. A lot of that's because their players are so damn good. There's no question who's playing every day. You know who's going out there. But do you give any credence to the idea of maybe to start the year, you say our lineup is this. Mm-hmm. And if there's a lefty on the mound, so be it. And we want to see what Nolan Gorman, Donovan, and Newpar maybe can do against lefties on an everyday basis. And honestly, they don't really have that many great right-handed options in the outfield anyway, especially if Carlson and O'Neill are gone. Let's just leave these guys here for the first month and maybe that's going to get them going. They're going to know where they're playing when they show up to the ballpark, unless there's an off day for rest. Like they're going to know instead of, you know, Donovan's coming to the field and he has no clue where he's batting, where where he's playing, if he's playing. I, I, I don't know how much credence to give that, but it is a thought I think that they should be having right now. No, you're right. I, I do. I do appreciate that. And I like that. I will say just for clarification purposes is they know the night before they're playing the next day. Like that's, that is, yeah, that is right. something that they know, but I, I just, I, I don't know if everyone knows that. I know you guys know that, but it just gives me an opportunity to say it in case people aren't aware that usually almost always the night before the lineup for the next day is posted and they know where they're playing. Uh, uh, but even then, like, doing that night every night waiting for your game to end to see if you're going to play the next day that weighs on you. And then all of a sudden, how, what does that do to your sleep patterns? And then we all know how sleep patterns affect how we perform our, our day job or our schooling. Um, I, I, what I think is, I think there's a way to do it. And I think that there's a way to augment it, right? Uh, I, you just have to be smart about how you're doing it. And I, I'm one of these people that, you know, Tommy Edmond ideally is your perfect utility player being smart about how you utilize Alec Burleson maximizes him. Uh, I just think you have to be smart about the personnel you have. I'm not saying that everything has to be a a 100% platoon, you know, uh, use the data available to you and communicate what your expectations are with those players. But uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been one of these people who says just don't even bat Nolan Gorman against lefties. Like 
you, you do it do it when the games don't matter that's fine get him in there against you know uh if you have a chance to sweep or whatever get him in and he he made solid progress last year against lefties although again he went through that the last month where he was trash against lefties because he was trash hitter uh which happens to him because he's a streaky hitter so i i guess my point is if if gorman is writing streak if he's streaking then yeah sure play him every day it doesn't it doesn't matter but if he's you know, what is it? It would have been, he was good in March, April, got off to a good start in May, was terrible the rest of May, almost all the way through July, like a yeah. 70 WRC player or something like that. Like yeah, He was like a slam dunk, going to start the All-Star game to not even a question. He's not in the All-Star game. That's how yeah. quickly it turned. Yeah, get this guy out of the lineup. It wasn't even that. Like, And he did that again, coming back from the All-Star break, nursing a back issue, was in fuego out of the break. And then was back to being that version of Nolan Gorman again. So all I'm saying is if, if Gorman's striking out 35% of the time and isn't hitting anybody, you got to be smarter than to keep running him out there. Give him a little break. Let him figure stuff out in the cage. And once he gets in fuego again, play him every day. You know, Brendan Donovan, if, if you don't have the front of your lineup figured out outside of Brendan Donovan, then yeah, play Brendan Donovan every day. Now, to me, Brendan Donovan is more than an everyday player. He's a borderline all-star. But that's pointless. Uh, what he is is piece to be used to be maximized inside of your offensive scheme and your defensive scheme you know if you're playing an offense uh that is uh, outfield heavy pop-up heavy offense yeah get you gotta have him out there because you know in left field if you're gonna have uh walker and right and newton center you know you, you have to you have to be smart you have to know your your opponent you have to maximize your team against your opponent uh, but I, I think what they have is they have a lot of pieces that while it would be great to pen them in every night, they, I don't think very many of them are actually pen players. You know, you're hoping Lars, like you're hoping Lars Newfar is. He shows signs, but then he also doesn't. And you're hoping Jordan Walker is. And I believe he will be just like I believe Lars Newfar will, but there's no guarantee. And I feel the same way about Brendan Donovan. Uh, and then, of course, you have Wilson Contreras and Goldschmidt and Arenado. So it's just a matter of like what you do with those other spare parts that aren't spare parts who you're going to rely on and, and, and how you figure it out. So uh, I, I do think there's value to it, but I also think you need to be adjustable and you need to be smart about it because then you get into a situation where you've sat Dylan Carlson as your fifth outfielder for the first month of the season, basically, and you've hurt his value, you've hurt his confidence, and you haven't maximized your 26-man roster. Do you think there's any thought internally or should there be of potentially looking at a guy like Kevin Kiermeyer to come in for one year to bridge the gap to Victor Scott? Or do you think, or do you think that's not, they're not even looking at any offense slash defense to bring in. They're simply focused 100% on starting pitching in the, and the, and the bullpen. Or do you think that there's anything potentially to look at that, to stabilize that defense in center field, maybe have that, that little, split between win and Edmund at short, if you will, and then bridge that gap to get Victor Scott potentially here in, in 2025. I believe that they're doing everything they can to make this a competitive team next year. But I do think that the option that they have internally are probably uh, what they would prefer over okay. something from the outside, right? Like I, I, I bet that they don't view much of a difference between Richie Palacios and Kevin Kiermeyer, you know, as an all around, you know, uh, when you're including how much a contract costs, you know, uh, all of that, like when it all comes down to it, does it just make more sense to have Tommy Edmond and Richie Palacios than Kevin Kiermeyer or Harrison Bader? Uh, 
you know, trying to be smart with how they allocate their funds. So I, I do think, you know, I can be as critical as support as I can be supportive of the front office. And I firmly believe that they're doing everything that they possibly can to make this team as competitive as possible next year. I, I don't, I would suspect that to that particular question that the answer is no right now, other than, you know, keeping an eye on the market. And then if they get to a position where maybe they think that they found a taker for Tommy Edmond, that that's some, you know, just like Dylan Cease or whoever it ends up being where they can't say no to that deal, then I would 100% suspect that that's exactly what they'll do. They'll pivot in that direction. I would, the one thing I will tell people is when you look at the Cardinals organization, they don't have shortstops. You know, uh, you're, you're hoping Thomas to JC can become an average or, or a serviceable major league shortstop, but other than Edmund and Wynn and whatever Jose Fermin is exactly, they don't have major league level shortstops, nothing that even comes close to resembling it. So they need to be really careful about specifically how they handle Tommy Edmund, uh, because Tommy Edmund, as average as he is, as much of a liability as he is, as at the plate, as weak as his contact is, he provides three things that the Cardinals don't have uh, stability and short stability stability at short stability in center and also just the general ability to not make mistakes uh, the year after the Cardinals made mistakes everywhere the only guy who didn't do it regularly other than Brendan Donovan was Tommy Edmund yeah I agree I mean, I, I'm a Tommy supporter the only the only way I would say yeah you might have to do it is obviously you see it's like if they're like hey we, we'll give you Dylan Cease and you have to give us Gorman, Newt Bar, or Donovan I'm like okay I'll, I'll do it like who else who do you want who you want? Because yeah. obviously, within reason, not Walker. But I, Glassnow is a guy that you've been all over. He's yeah. a guy that I've been daydreaming about for a year and a half. Yeah. Just not because of how good he looks, but all but because of how, <laughs> because of yeah. the nasty shit that comes out of his right arm. Because it's just yeah. he's Jacob Degrom. Like he is. If he's healthy for a full year, it would not surprise surprise me if he puts up a Jacob Degrom esque year. That wouldn't shock yeah. me at all. So I don't know what he's worth though. Like what is his value on the trade market? He's getting paid probably over market value. Cause if he was a free agent, I don't think he's getting 25 million a year. No way. I don't think so. So w- what is he worth in a trade? Do you think he gets 25 really with his I injury do. concerns? I do. You know, you might, I don't, I, I do. I got, I really do. I, look, so it was funny. Somebody said something on Twitter today and they're like, all you can do is bank on 20 starts at Tyler glass. Now. And in my mind, I was like for $25 million. Yeah. I'll, I'll give me those 20 yeah. starts. Give me those 120 innings. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe again, I am, I am a psychopath. I know I'm crazy. I, I know I'm out of my mind. I, I try not to be, but here I am again with crazy eyes and ranting like a lunatic. <laughs> yes. He's, he is absolutely worth, worth 125. E- even with the 100 innings, the 120 innings, I heard somebody say something about big game pitching. I, wh- whatever. Look, he's, he is a <laughs> man. He is a monster. He, like you were saying, he's, Attractive as the Dickens. Looks like Cillian Murphy. We've all seen it. Uh, but he he is special. That arm is special. And sure, he might only throw 60 innings. He might only throw 120 innings. Uh, but a team is going to give him $25 million next year to get those innings. And those innings are going to be better than probably any 140 or 160 innings that you're going to get with somebody else, right? Like, uh, you know, that's where the depth comes in. We're hopefully you have the depth to be able to pick up those innings. But look, let's let's not pretend like the Cardinals have had 120 innings, good pitched innings in the last couple of years out of 
the top of their rotation. They they haven't. Like no. Jose Quintana and Miles Michaelis and Gimpy Adam Wainwright got them through uh, last year. You know, uh, I, I'll take the 120 innings out of Tyler Glasnow over any of those innings. And Miles Michaelis was about as effective as you could possibly hope for him to be in 2022. You know, uh, Jose Quintana, after being traded to the Cardinals, was about as effective as a pitcher could be. Jordan Montgomery last year was about as effective throughout a full season as he's capable of being, even though people are going to pay him to be more than that. Like, it's not going to happen. This is as good as he's going to get. Like, he's like, it's a huge, a huge spot where he's at right now. And he's probably going to be worth whatever contract he gets. But like, let's not pretend like those 120 innings grow on trees. And sure, when it comes to playoff time, maybe he won't be available. And that is a big thing, right? But I, I mean, come on, like that is a that is a monster there. And as far as what it's yeah. going to take to get him, my assumption is just like I, I put in a, a message today. To, uh, every one of these guys, the way if you follow the breadcrumbs, if you listen to every pundit, uh, it's going to cost more then not only what you're comfortable with, it's probably going to cost more than what you're not comfortable with, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's just – he is so good. Like, I some I feel like some people, they're like, no, stay away from glass now. And if it's like – if they're asking for Nolan Gorman or Donovan, that's not worth one year of any pitcher, really, to be frank. But if it's reasonable, like, he is legitimately a top-five pitcher in baseball when he's on the field. And if you get him and Nola healthy in a playoff run, you can win the World Series. Like, that could happen. So I, I love Tyler Glass now, and I still dream of him being a Cardinal, even though it probably won't happen. You know, both of you guys probably remember this. Like, do you remember leading up to the Arenado to St. Louis, how often there was a, like an undercurrent, not only of Cardinal fans, but of baseball fans that talked about how overrated Nolan Arenado was? And part of that came from Colorado, right? Well, I, I hypothesize a little bit. And granted, Tampa Bay, Tampa has been in playoff races where the Rockies really never were. But I, my hypothesis is that every every pitcher that isn't like Garrett Cole is going to end up being thought of as overrated or not worth the price tag um, unless unless they're in some type of major playoff race like Aaron Nola is. And even Nola comes from Philly, so it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of splitting hairs there. But, yeah, that's just my thought. Like, to me, in a lot of ways, Glasnow – he's just so talented right he and again that at least with Arenado Arenado was durable so that's that's a whole part of the conversation that it hasn't isn't there with glass now but I just think I think there's a parallel to be drawn there where Arenado was extremely talented um you know one of the best players in baseball one of the best best position players in baseball who people were writing off for whatever dumb reason they were just because they hadn't seen him a lot even Cardinal fans and I, I feel like that's kind of happening with glass now yeah I agree you got anything, Dad? Um, Mike, how do you feel about Glasnow? If we ended up with Tyler Glasnow and Aaron Nola, my life is complete. I mean, I'm almost <laughs> 50, and if that happens by my 50th birthday in February, like, that is literally all I could – I mean, I'm not I, – I say it jokingly. I mean, I've been married 26 years. I I hope I married another 26. It's been incredible. That's the, I have three kids. That's the pinnacle of my life. Like, nothing will get better than that. But 1A or 1B would be Tyler Glasnow and Aaron Nola in our rotation come opening day, but also in our rotation, like Caleb said, come October. Like, yeah. I, I, that would I, – I don't even have word. Like, if, if either of those happen and either of those happen, I'm giddy. Both of those happen, I am screaming to the mountaintops that – like, I, I understand, and, and I've seen you post about it, and I've seen a lot of people post about it, 
you could fill in the blank with any pitcher you want. And Cardinal fans will say, well, he's injured. Like, yes, that is what a starting pitcher is. We just saw what DeGrom got in Texas. He pitched like four games and they won the World Series. Like, we know that you're going to get, you're going to sign a guy that's going to be an injury concern. But if we ended up with Glass now, who I, I agree with Caleb, I think went healthy top five pitcher in baseball. And then you had Aaron Nola right after that. That I I don't think I've ever seen that in my lifetime from a Cardinals pitching staff. Like, well, you I don't Chris think I've Carpenter ever seen that. and Adam Wainwright in their primes. I, I think, I mean. Do Says you, the guy who compared Adam Wainwright to Clayton Kershaw last stop, time. Oh, here we go. Ah, I knew it here we out. go. I knew here we go. I would, look, I will clarify that one day. That was not what I meant, but we'll move on. But, you know, obviously Carpenter, what I, I still think last now, <laughs> Nola. Like, we've seen Nola on the big stage, and, yes, he's had some hiccups in the in the regular season, and, yes, he's had some hiccups at times in postseason. Everybody does. Like, that's what you see today in 2023 baseball. Like, that happens. You know, guys are going to hit home runs. That happens. But if we had Glassnow and Nola, I would take my chances with our offense, our young offense, and our veterans against any team in the National League. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, they could go on a run with that for sure. Like, that's the thing, too. And I talk, Kyle, I think we talked about this on Twitter, that everyone was going crazy, like, we need an ace, we need an ace. And while I agree, that's ideal, whatever the term of an ace is. But if you get Aaron Nola, that's an ideal way for the offseason to go, is to have Aaron Nola and someone that's a tier below him in your rotation. That's the way I would want it to go if I were drawing it up. But people are like, you can't win without an ace. Well, did anyone watch Texas? Because Jordan Montgomery was on our team, and we yeah. did not think he was an ace. Nathan Ovaldi was available to be signed by our team, and no one said go sign that ace. And yeah. those two both pitched like aces. Jordan Montgomery made the best hitter on the earth, and Jordan Alvarez looked like an infant four uh -huh. times. And yeah. he is not an ace. So yeah. I want an ace, but you don't need one. You need people to pitch like aces. Well, exactly. And I mean, look, look at their counterpart in the World Series, Arizona, like Zach Gallen has the potential to be an ace. He's certainly a number one type pitcher, but he was terrible in the terrible in the playoffs. They did not get, quote unquote, ace or front of the rotation level production out of Zach Gallen in in the playoffs. Merrill Kelly did. But traditionally, you wouldn't call Merrill Kelly even a top of the rotation pitcher, right? He's a he's a two three is is basically what he is. He's Miles he's, Michael is. And, he's Miles well, Michael. You, you, if you want to have fun with it, he's Jordan Montgomery and, and right. uh, you know, kind of a kind of a way. Not exactly. Like you said, I think I think the parallel to draw there is, is Michaelis for so many different reasons, but you know, just he he's more, he's more Jordan Montgomery than he is Zach Gallant. Right. So I, I, I think, I think what you need is throughout the year, you need pitchers to get you to the playoffs, you know? And if that's, a, if that is a staff of Miles Michaelis's and Jose Quintana's and uh, whoever the hell, you know, that that's enough. In the playoffs, you need a bullpen and you need guys peaking. And people don't want to hear that. And it's always nice to have postseason experience in there too. But this is one of those where if if all you can get is Aaron Nola and some bunk-ass number two starting pitcher in your budget and then some swing-type guy, then you're not actually that much better than what you were last year you're you're just trying to hope that they're not as bad as adam wainwright was which won't happen because adam wainwright god bless his soul was one of the worst starting pitchers in the history of baseball last year and 
somebody who's better than Jack Flaherty, who was good sometimes, but pretty miserable a lot of other times that the Cardinals were able to get some some resources for. So just wait until yeah. they bring him back. Just wait until they bring <laughs> Jack back. Oh my God. How funny would that be? They trade for Freed, they signed Giolito and Flaherty, and then boom. Uh, if we trade for Freed, I'm good with whatever comes <laughs> next. Um, the last thing I want to say is I think also just to add to Glassnell, obviously healthy Glass. What I'm not even gonna say healthy. That's every pitcher. Glassnell and Nola is the domino effect for the bullpen. Like obviously last year, if, well, and that's not last year. It feels like it's been the last seven years. We are yeah. chasing innings constantly, and the next thing you know, we got Anthony. I mean, Alex Reyes out there blowing his arm out. We've you know, and then you've got all this other stuff. We saw um, Geo not be what he was last year. We saw. Um, Obviously, the Helsley injury, like that's what's going to happen when you're not getting innings. And I don't mean eight. That's not what I'm saying. Six. When you're not getting six innings from your starters, that's what's going to happen. So the domino effect of even just adding two, I'm not saying, you know, that you'd not add three. I'm not saying don't go get another guy. That's not what I mean by that. But because people misconstrue that. But then when you have a Michaelis at, at, let's say, a number four, three, four, whatever you want to call it. And then you got Matt's at the end. If you and you got that Thompson slash like you had talked about earlier. If you can get those guys giving you five, but your front, your top three are giving you six. I mean, that's, you're talking about a totally different pitching staff from top to bottom when that happens. Yeah, It's all about pitchers stepping up at the right time. You know, in, in modern baseball, a lot of what, you know, how often do pitchers even go six innings, even like the top of the line pitchers? It doesn't, it doesn't happen a lot. What you need is you need timely six inning performances. You need a sprinkled in seventh inning performance. You need a gutsy pitcher who's willing to gut it out to get the bullpen a little bit of rest. And the Cardinals haven't had that in a couple of years. You know, Wayno, Wayno would get there sometimes. Michaelis would get there sometimes, but it doesn't really happen a lot. And, and that's why, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I've kind of been the quantity over quality uh, guy, even though I do want quality quantity. Um, Sandy Alcantara? Imagine having that guy. Yeah, there we go. That, I'm, I'm about that. <laughs> the 220-inning pitcher that wins a Cy Young. Yeah. Whoever drafted that, whoever got that guy as an amateur is smart. Yeah. Yeah. Give that guy more of a voice, huh? But um, yeah, so that I get I all I'm saying is that like you need to you need to be about as sure as you possibly can be with whatever additions you bring in. And you can't think that just by being top heavy all of the sudden in the pitching staff that uh, it's going to make you a better team, because the truth is it it might very incrementally. That's just I mean, we saw the Mets, right? We saw the Mets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you have to do you both. Literally have to, like, yeah. honestly, probably Kale's generation outside of Clayton Kershaw, they signed the two greatest pitchers of his generation. Yeah. Oh, like, really? You know, and I'm not getting Adam Wayne right. We're not going back down that road, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, they signed those guys. And even at an advanced age, I think people thought, well, even with a slight regression or even a partial regression, they're still going to be better than most rotations. I mean, oh, they yeah. didn't even sniff the playoffs, and now both those guys are on other teams. Yeah. And they took our ace, Jose Quintana. That's right. Who I still want back. Can we get him back, please? I was just going to say that, you know, and the the flip of that is what else did the Mets do? They got Quintana. And then what did what did the Rangers do after they the failure with with DeGrom? They went out and addressed their issues in season. You know, this uh, we're we're so focused on the offseason. We're so focused on the Cardinals, you know, uh, the 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 huge pitching issues they have. But this is a two pronged thing. It starts in the offseason and it finishes in season. We we know that if they if they can shore up their team as a whole, not just the starting rotation, but the bullpen, if they can shore it up, it doesn't have to be premier. 
It just needs to get to a point where they can adjust in season to get what they need, whatever that is. Even if even if we're still clamoring for an ace and it ends up just being Nathan Avalde and Jordan Montgomery, although Avalde was already there. I'm just saying it like even if it is that, even if it is just two pitchers, even if it is bringing Jose Quintana back, like let's not get so caught up in the starting pitching of it all and the high end starting pitching of it all to the point where not only does it cripple what they can do in season, but exactly how good they are during the season to get to a point where they have to adjust in season. And I just, I want to see the whole picture and the whole picture involves not only defense getting better and the offense getting more steady. It involves uh, the bullpen getting better and the starters getting better. And that has to happen at once. And that's a quantity issue. Uh, as much as it is a quality issue. And I, I think right now we're just so focused on the quality and needing an ace and needing an ace and needing a top-of-the-line starter when arguably there isn't even one on the market, uh, in either ace or a one on the market, because uh, all of those guys have question marks. You know, it's all about perspective there too. But it's it's there's just so many issues with the Cardinals that uh, let's not pretend like they have the budget to be able to address it all. What they have is the budget – to be able to get themselves in a position where they can address it in season. And even then, like you no team, like the Diamondbacks and the Rangers are far from perfect teams, far from it. Like the Rangers had a dreadful bullpen. They had Leclerc and Chapman. That was and spores. That was it. The Diamondbacks, I mean, had Evan Longoria and Emmanuel Rivera batting every day. Like that's yeah. not, those two teams were not perfect by any means, but you've got to have, like you said, guys step up in the right times. And you've got to have players that have the ability to do that. Like you can't just throw Michaelis and you know Matt out there and say maybe they can step up. Well, no, you got to have players like Montgomery and Eovaldi who can do that, and that's, they did it at the right time. Yeah. And you also have to have your your stars yeah. be stars. I mean, we yeah. saw it with Atlanta two years ago. We saw it with our three years ago. Saw it with Philly two years ago, even though they didn't win. But obviously Alvarez. Then this year we saw with Corey Seager. Like you have like it, Nolan and Goldie are going to have to be those guys come the biggest moments. When you get to October, uh, Kyle, last thing for me before we get also, by the way, thank you again. Like greatly, greatly appreciate you for coming on, man. Like we love having you on here. So we appreciate having you on. I love talking it over with you guys. I'm sorry for monopolizing all your time running my stupid mouth. Nope, nope, nope. We, uh, everyone, I mean, literally everyone who watches on YouTube and listens on Apple and Spotify would much rather hear you than Caleb and I just yell at each other over Adam Wainwright. So we are we are very happy that you came on here. We greatly appreciate that. Um, last thing, as as someone who is a king and lord of chaos, how awesome is it going to be when Mike Schilt takes the Padres to the World Series in 2024 on Cardinal Twitter? Go. It's going to be hilarious. It, what Even better, an NLCS between Skip Schumacher... Uh, with the Marlins and uh, Mike Schilt with the Padres. Can you imagine that? Like, Oh, my goodness. I am here for it. I cannot wait to watch Twitter lose their minds when Mike Schilt, if, if Mike Schilt has some success. Speaking of the Padres, RIP to Peter Seidler, legend of an owner, legend from what I've read in the community. I did a little research on him a little bit more, finding out today. Like, evidently what he has done in San Diego, incredible things from what I have read. So, RIP to that guy. Yeah, yeah it's horrible. It's, that was horrible news. Um. And now, now that you put me in a weird spot, because I was going to say something before you did that, and now I'm going to say it after that um, sadness. So, but... Sorry, sorry, I went from <laughs> chaos, I was going to say Mike Schilt to yeah, that was on me. That's on me. I, this I is my that. last thing. But what I was going to say was it's even funnier if that NLCS matchup does happen and Matt Carpenter wins NLCS MVP. That'd be <laughs> hilarious, and I kind of would rather see that happen than the Cardinals win the World Series because I just want to see what Twitter would be like. <laughs> that would be incredible. 
Oh God. I, I, it's funny, you know, it was awesome to see Matt Carpenter take the Padres for like $5.5 million or whatever. But Good for I, him, dude. Good for him. Right. Oh, God, I loved it. I thought, boy, this is the kind of world that I want to live in. This is the kind of world I want to be a part of. But uh, I, I wonder if he introduced his salsa to the San Diego market out there. Like that is, that is the king for, you know, Latin food out there. I wonder if he brought that, that his salsa to, to San Diego out there. Oh, that, you know, that's so, funny. so the other day we were joking around, you know, I was asking people what their favorite M&M flavor is. Sometimes I just get interested in like dumb stuff. Like I'll have, uh, I'll just run across some M&Ms and be like, M&Ms rock. Let's have a conversation about M&Ms. And uh, I, I asked people about that. And one of the pad people, Ryan Fisher, reminded me that I took a picture of like how I shop on a normal basis. Like right as we started pad, when it, prospects after dark, whenever we did it, like whenever it started, I don't even know anymore. And it was a picture of me at the grocery store. And I had like, again, this is how, this is how I shop. I still shop. I'm going to live until I'm 41. Maybe uh, it was like a, a value pack of steaks. And I wasn't, I do not have a, a, a family, like a family value pack of steaks. I do not have a family. I was going to eat all three of those things by myself <laughs> as soon as I possibly could. Uh, and, and it was like a bottle of bourbon, uh, a six pack of beer, like peanut butter M&Ms. And lo and behold, the Matt Carpenter salsa was a part of that. And it brought back terrible memories from my anus because that was one of the most <laughs> like vicious times of my life on a toilet. I will never forget what that runny mixture did to my runny stool. It was <laughs> not a pleasant experience. So, you know. This is why you have to be on here more. This is exactly why right there. That 45 seconds is the exact reason why you have to be on here. The rest, the rest was incredible, but that right there is the reason why. It's why, why we love you. So thanks again, about, man. I greatly appreciate it. I'll talk about diarrhea whenever you guys want me to. <laughs> so I, I tweeted out that you're coming on. And we're going to rank the essential bodily functions. That obviously, number one. So there we go. Oh, but can we, are, do we have time for this? Can we actually do that? We 100, first of all, we 100% have time for this. All right. So I let, me, going on. let me see if I can find it. So years ago, and I meant to do this when we were talking. Years ago, I ran a poll on Twitter and... Maybe I'll just, maybe God, this is awkward with you guys, but maybe I'll just type "come in" and see if maybe uh, I I ran a poll and my question it was and I, I love that this is happening right now. Uh, my question was, what's like the best feeling? Right? Is is pooping when you had to poop and you couldn't poop? Is it peeing when you've been holding it forever, or is it you know reaching climax? And reaching climax. it had well, so that's your like that's your natural reaction, right? But then like a day later, I had to hold my pee for like hours. And when I peed, it was maybe the greatest single moment of my entire life. Not even like bodily <laughs> fluid experience. It might have been like the the best I've ever felt in my entire life from head to toe. And uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I actually agree with that. That probably is number one. You are sharing the screen with a man who pees more than any human I've ever met in my life. Right Especially when you're there. drinking. The young guy, when not you're... me, not the older guy, the young guy. There, there is so he completely gets you. But I'm going to go ahead and throw in. There's nothing. I mean, I'm going to put in that conversation when you got to sneeze and you sneeze. Oh. That's sometimes like that's top, top tier. I am. I can now go on with my life after that. That's a good call. I didn't even think about that. Yep. So something to think about as we leave. Our, well, hey, hey, I hope everyone who listened to this comes back for Drop the next comment one because below. you never know what we're going to talk about. Drop a comment below of what your favorite bodily fluid coming out of you is. 
boy, YouTube I, is going to be incredible this week. YouTube is going to be incredible. <laughs> oh, God. I, I am so disappointed that I cannot find this stupid <laughs> poll. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to let you guys down. I meant no, to. Uh, I meant maybe to Elon this. flagged it. He might have. You know, I don't know if there's any polls on here anymore. I think they got rid of them all. Brendan Schaefer's the only one who's allowed to do a poll anymore. <laughs> He's like, would you be satisfied with this offseason? Michael Walker, Seth Lugo, and Trevor, and um, Seth Manis. It's like 72% <laughs> says yes. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Oh, anything else, Gil? You got anything else for Kyle before we let him get out of here? No, I'm all out. All right. Fresh out. All out I'm of love. Dinner. We're so lost right. without you. I, I have something for you guys before we, we get off. And I'm, I'm sorry to monopolize more of your time. No, do one, do not apologize. I, he's this retired. Is, he has no life. I am retired. I work at a golf course. I need you're tired glasses. of 49. This is the greatest thing of all time. You know, I was going to say a minute ago, and I was trying to do the math, right? So I'm 37, and I am technically 13 years away from getting my pension uh, for the, the municipality I work at. And it dawned on me, and it's, you know, full government pension, all of that. Uh, uh, and, and at that point, I would be with the organization for 30 years. And it, and I, I, when you said I'm 49, hoping to get to 50, uh, I was thinking, this motherfucker's already retired. He's going to beat me. Uh, retired at 48. Oh, that is awesome. I'm so happy. 48 was it. We, we've had a, at, at my place, we've had a mass exodus of some of our older employees um finally retiring instead of sticking around and just to see like the joy on their face the relief the uh, uh accomplishment that reflect on what you've accomplished it has been really cool over the last year and a half as so many of the people that i know have started to retire and i'm having these moments uh not realizing i have 13 more years ago <laughs> <laughs> hey, one day I hope to have those moments. Right now, I just get up, I go for a little walk here in New Orleans, walk around, I stare at the mansions, the multi-million dollar mansions, while I'm listening to Biggie Smalls on my headphones, laughing oh. at the idiocy of all of it, right, that I am doing this. Then I come back, I have a little coffee, watch a little Pat McAfee, maybe a little MOB.com, talk to Caleb through text, then I go play golf or I work at the golf course. And so one day I will reflect on that teaching that I did for 25 years, but I walked out of that classroom, I loved it, but I said, I'm putting that behind me and we're moving on. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Well, I'm pumped for you that you only have 13 years. I remember the countdown. I think I started the countdown. I taught for 25 years. I think I started the countdown at 24. Oh, it's so good. I got 24 <laughs> left. Let's go. Is is working at a golf course the perfect post-career job? I, it's it's pretty it's, – it's almost silly that that's what I do every – like that I go to work and they pay me to do that. Now, they, they don't necessarily pay me very well, but, again, it's a retirement gig. I get to play free golf. Uh, yesterday we had and, – and we're at a really nice – at a nice course. I, we had a, a club tournament. Our team won, by the way. Shout out to us. Um, and I, I had donuts, pizza, and played golf yesterday and then got paid to do so. So it's not a bad gig. Congratulations. That's awesome. My friends still hate me. Like they, like I will text them and see how their workday is going. And they do, I do not get nice replies from them. So you know. Okay, so the the question I have for both of you is, of the pitchers on the market, what is the lowest bar for the best pitcher that the Cardinals could acquire? Does that make sense? Is that that's a, real a great point? question? Yeah. Yes, that makes lots of Caleb. You go first. My answer is Jordan Montgomery. I don't think you can go lower than that for your number one and maybe like they have a good chance of actually rebounding here because who would be below that Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't really like him very much. Yeah. Like I don't, I like Sonny Gray. I think I'd put him maybe 
right next to Monty, maybe even slightly above in terms of how good he is right now. Yeah. Um, so I think my answer would be Jordan Montgomery. But if I'm being totally honest with you, with all the hype this offseason's gotten, if Jordan Montgomery is the best pitcher we get, I'll be disappointed. I'll be honest. Yeah. I'll be disappointed. And it doesn't mean that it can't work. It doesn't mean it won't work. And it might even be the smart way to go. But I will be disappointed if I'm being honest. What? Yeah. Let me ask. Okay, I'm going to answer my question with a question. What if the three guys you brought in were Montgomery, Gray, and Rodriguez? What if those were your three guys? So they're adding sixty-five to seventy million in payroll. I don't. That's I don't know what those numbers look like. like <laughs> you're probably right. Okay, so here we go. We went back. Okay, we'll skip that. But I mean, do you see where I was? Okay, like Waka has been the subject. I don't. I hate all the. Cardinals He's the lowest. Indians. What's happening here? Like, if they only okay, get Michael no, no, Waka, no, no, no. we're fucked. My answer. My answer. My answer is Sunny Gray. But honestly, okay. I think you almost have to bring in one of the top three if you're the Cardinals and you view it like you talked about earlier. I honestly think it has to be Nolo, Yamamoto, and Snell. And people will argue that maybe Yamamoto's not one of the top three. I think he the is. name alone and at 25, I think he is. So okay. I honestly believe that if, if let's say, Sonny Gray is that number four guy there on the market, if that's it, I think fans are going to be disappointed. I honestly truly believe that. Oh, they for will be. sure. Yeah. yeah. What so about my answer would be that you got to get one of the three. Right. Even though if I they bring back Adam Wainwright, I will jump off my balcony. <laughs> I love Adam Wainwright to death, but that guy earned every bit of his retirement. Go enjoy it, Adam. Speaking his first of album, he will do a reunion tour and an album tour same year. I don't oh, think yeah. he has a labrum anymore. <laughs> I think like I think it. he gave it away for two hundred wins. I think he did. <laughs> yeah, to me, to me, I think that the Cardinal fans and the viewers will will say you got to get one of those top three. I don't know though that I necessarily agree because I do think if you get Gray and two other guys, I, to me, man, if you get Glass now, then we can change that discussion. Yeah, let, let, let me let me different. say it like that. Like if you make a trade and you end up with Tyler, then I think that discussion changes. But I don't know that that trade happens before their signings. That's what's what your saying. answer here, Kyle? Who would be the lead? Like I know that you're not maybe even as emotionally invested as some fans are in the major league team, but who would be the guy where you're like that? They can make a solid offseason work with this guy to get to the trade deadline. I my my first thought was yours, Caleb. I thought Jordan Montgomery, Sonny Gray. Like I, I like there's a there's a way to make it work with those two at the top of your two your three, but it can't be they can't be at the top of your two, right? Like if you're going to do two and a swing man, that's that. Unfortunately, that's just not good enough. I mean, I hate to be that way. Like if it ends up being the top of the three. And maybe you can make the finances work for like Gray slash Montgomery, uh, Maeda, and whoever the hell else. Like maybe maybe there's a way to make that work and make your team better. Yeah, but I, I don't I don't think that you can get away without something like Aaron Nola if you're only going to do two and a half starters. There's just there's no way there's no way that you're going to make your team better and what it needs to be for the season until you can augment it like that's that is it's just i guess my belief that uh that they they if if they do go gray or montgomery as their quote unquote headline um even with the trade market involved i i don't think that um i don't think that there's a way to get as good as they can be or need to be with only two starters at that point or two and a half and whatever that swing man looks like that you would still have to commit to a third starter at, at that point especially then because you need both those guys to be healthy or yeah. you just have jordan montgomery in your rotation from last year again exactly yeah and that didn't so, work right because i might change my answer aaron nola 
They need Aaron Nola. <laughs> that might be That's my answer. That's kind of what I was saying. Like, I like, think I that might be where we're at. I think the actual answer is you've got to get one of those top three guys. I really – and I just don't see Blake Snell as, as a St. Louis Cardinal. And, and oh, Yamamoto, like – I like, am so sorry. I do have one last question because I think it's a hot-and-button topic, and we don't have to get into why it is a hot-button topic. But do you think Trevor Bauer pitches in major leagues this year? Do you think he's back in major league baseball? Okay, so I don't – I have no – as someone who tries their hardest to stay out of controversy uh, by being controversial, I <laughs> I think that there hasn't been a more perfect union in the world than that Saudi baseball league in Trevor Bauer. That's that's what I think. I that's I, yeah true. That's I, I, true. And that, I guess that's a way of answering the question without actually actually answering it. We're fine. I, with I think that. I think it just depends on how little he's willing to take. I, I do think some organization would take a chance on him probably at this point, you know, with his name being cleared. Um, I think the way that he cleared it is kind of a perfect example of why, if I was running an organization, I wouldn't want anything to do with it. Like make it just right. Exactly. You know, in, in the media to people, like at that point, it's not necessarily about changing the organization or changing the minds of people running organizations or teammates. It's about changing, changing the public uh, image of yourself, which is it going to happen? That's not how this world works anymore, unfortunately. So you're so naive and caught up in your own ego that you can't see beyond your own personal motivations for things. Uh, so again, whether whether he's guilty of the other accusations he's that's been levied upon him is beyond me. Uh, you know whether people are treating him unfairly for uh, whatever is, is beyond me. I don't I don't really know. I just know that like there's the amount of ego. Every what we all know that every athlete has a tremendous amount of ego to get to the point where they need to be to be the athlete that they are. But this is more of like an insecurity driven ego, which I just don't trust, no matter how good he is. Uh, and he can be really goddamn good uh, pretty frequently. Um, but I do. I see that Saudi league. And I think, oh, boy, if ever there was a league, you know, Robinson Cano's there. Uh, Bartolo Colon's there. Like, these oh are gosh. people. Who when is our role as Chapman going to get there? probably in two years i would imagine i'll have a release really <laughs> yeah. next year and then yeah. be over there in two years and i just think that uh i think that boy that if you talk about and i don't even know if it'd be for you know a couple of years and then he finds his way back to the states or whatever but boy does that saudi baseball league really feel like the right place for trevor bauer at this point in his life you know how bad of a how how much of a like you know just weirdo individual you have to be to make terry francona hate you yeah right <laughs> exactly exactly that uh, and he probably still hates him too it's not even a matter oh, of oh i guarantee it probably more now he probably yeah. hates him more now yeah probably, i was i was vindicated in that hatred there and i love terry Francona. so anyone terry doesn't like stay i don't want him. that's why i'm with <laughs> you boy i agree hey, real fast gentlemen i found the poll all right give us the results okay so here here it is it says hi <laughs> boy so, you know, you have these looking glass moments sometimes online where you, <laughs> you realize how trash you are. Okay, it says hi, and then enter. Your political opinions on both sides are a joke. Uh, let's do a poll that matters and show how great representative democracy can be. Which of these is the best? Orgasm, peeing after holding it, pooping after holding it. And orgasm got 38.8% of the vote. Peeing after holding it got 28.9% of the vote. And pooping after hold of it, or after holding it, got like thirty-two point three percent of the vote. So it, it's a, it's like the John Jay of polls is what it ended <laughs> up being. It's a spray chart all over. Um, no pun intended. And now I wish I had intended the pun. Actually, that pun would 
Yeah, that intended. We're gonna say that one was definitely intended. It was. It wasn't. And then I would like to reclaim it if at all possible. <laughs> you have uh, it. You take it. I think you revisit the poll at the next election and you throw sneezing in there. <laughs> I will. I will. As soon as we get it, will get zero votes. It'll get zero votes. <laughs> Yeah, almost certainly. Once once we get our Democrat and Republican <laughs> nominees for, for president, I'll throw this out there and I'll oh. throw the caveat of sneezing when you got to sneeze in there. We'll see how that gets blown. I'll see how that changes the numbers. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Man, as always, we greatly appreciate, appreciate you coming on here. You're welcome anytime. Uh, we have a blast, but also love to get the insight and uh, the logical. Just again, Kevin and I try to view things as logical. We like to have that. Thir- it's great to have that third view in there that to just bring in everything. And we love what you do on Twitter. We love everything about you, man. You're one of our favorites. Uh, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. I feel the same way. It's it's awesome to converse with you whenever the opportunity presents itself on both Twitter and on uh, this particular platform. I love it. Fantastic. As always, Kyle Reese, man, big fan. Go follow him on Twitter. It's worth it. If nothing else, for the poll that's coming up in November. Like, if nothing else, that poll alone is going to be worth it. Caleb, you got anything else, brother, before we get out of here? I do not. All right. That's my hot take of the year. Man, I do man not, of I do many not words. Have man else. of many words. You probably have to pee. He drank that coffee. I do. Got to pee. I do. This was a big <laughs> coffee. All right, guys. Hey, as always, we appreciate you all. We will talk to you soon. Have an amazing Thanksgiving. If we don't talk to you before that, go cards. <laughs>